Father God, we come before you this morning, Lord, and as always, as a Bible church and as individuals and as a congregation, we thank you for your word and for the truth that it contains. We pray that your peace, well, your shalom, will, uh, will be on us as we look into um, the spiritual world, into the angelic realm, and that we'll be reminded and be comforted and filled with confidence in knowing that we're on the winning team, even in these very difficult times. We pray this in the name of Jesus, our Messiah. Amen. So, um, I, I watched a YouTube video um, yesterday evening. Uh, by the way, I had a really long Saturday because I was in Australia. I left from Australia yesterday morning, but because of the time thing, I've been experiencing Saturday for the last 39 hours. So my little app on my phone says, hey, you've accomplished all your physical goals. That's because I had two days to do it. Um, I didn't do anything other than fly. So I'm a little zonked out or it don't make sense. Just raise your hand, Tim. That didn't make any sense. But I was watching a YouTube video and uh, uh, about an experience that happened about second like 2013. There was an accident in which uh, all the, uh, there's a, a young woman, 19 years old, trapped in her car and she was, her vital signs were, were decreasing. And uh, this, what everybody there said was an angelic kind of being showed up. Uh, it was a, a man, and he prayed with her, and, and it all turned out to be great, great. Well, it turned out that that being, um, when they did a reconstruction of his picture, you know, he looked like an old guy with a really bad receding hairline, okay? Now, what do we know about angels that we learned uh, from a couple sessions ago? Do you guys remember that? They all have receding <laughs> wrong. Okay, they do no, not have your, yes, yes. So wrong guess. Uh, so that's minus one for Raleigh. Uh, Raleigh gets minus one. He's a visitor here today, friend of mine. Just got in from Texas yesterday and is moving to the valley for the next uh, eight months. Works with uh, Jewish evangelism. Uh, something that I would like to see us be involved with in too, and also uh, ministry with young people here in the valley. But um, so receding hairline is not one of them. What do we What do we learn about their appearance when they appear? What's that? No age. Not no age. Actually, that's, that's wrong too. Minus one for you. <laughs> Minus one. Next. Come on, guys. They look strong. They look strong, so they look like men. Young men. Yeah, young men yeah. so, All right, I so get half a point. Yes, okay, so you get half a point. So on the star, you miss one little corner. So, so when I saw this image, I'm thinking, gosh darn it, I think that's not an angel. Well, guess what it wasn't? It was a Roman Catholic priest that had cut through traffic, parked his car, walked over, prayed, and his picture kind of sort of looks like him, but not very much. My point is, is that when we get, let's just be careful when we get into this area of uh, studying about angels and all that, not to kind of overstate the case. Um, the uh, scripture that we we have used, that Arnold is using for this, is Ephesians 6, 11 through 12. So let's go ahead and open that together and read it together again. My mouth is so dry. And uh, for the sake of time, I'll just I'll start reading there, and I'm reading for the uh, ESV. It says, Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the cosmic uh, authorities, against, excuse me, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil and the heavenly places. Now, that's kind of the basis there, that there's a spiritual warfare going on, and we're taking a look into the spiritual realm. But when we speak about the arm of God, what is the belt? The belt of? Truth, right? The belt of truth. Uh, another way to look at that is a truth statement, okay? A truth statement. So 
what we're learning is acquiring some knowledge, acquiring some truth. So uh, in, uh, an immediate application of that is that when we see a YouTube video that says, hey, there's an angel, and everybody describes him as an older guy, chances are it's not an angel. Okay, so that's one way we can apply that. Now, uh, um, Marsha brought up an interesting passage, 2 Kings chapter 6, I think it's in verse 12 last time, and it was uh, Elisha and the young man, and they, um, Elisha was very confident as the Syrian troops were coming into Israel, and the young man wasn't, so he prayed and asked God to open his eyes, and you guys remember what he saw? He saw chariots of fire and all these angels, an army of God there. So, and that gave the man, young man confidence. So, when we study, study the angelic realm, and again, just as a disclaimer, this is nothing original here. You can get this all right, right from Arnold, the horse's mouth here. I'm just passing this on to you. He has a book on that. Um, it's available there on the area website. You can get uh, Messianic Bible Study number 73 from the Come and See program. It's free. And this is, this is, these are my notes, okay? These are his notes and, that I'm using, okay? So you, you can get that if you want to know more about it. But angelic, what's the last letter on that word? C. C. What's that? Angelic. Angelic. <laughs> Angels and elements. <laughs> okay, you know what? That, that was a little trick question. But it's the letter C for angelic. So in the angelic realm is letter C. This is what you need to learn for today. This is it. So pay attention to this. The rest you can relax. So is C is for comfort and for confidence. So we're studying this to gain comfort, to be comforted by God and his word and the truth that contains in it. Know that there's angelic beings out there. And the one is confidence, just the same way that Elisha's young man um, received when he saw that. There's some wrong views about angels. Remember what those were? One was this. We have to be Jewish to think about it because it's, oh, got Rose's attention there. Um, is emanations from God, some kind of manifestation of God. I never thought about that, but it's, we'll go into that a little bit later, why that's common among, with, among Jewish people. Uh, they're glorified humans. You've heard that before? Yeah, totally false. Yeah. Or angels don't exist. And believe it or not, it's very prevalent among so-called Christians, liberal Christians. Can you believe that? That they're promoting that idea that angels don't really exist, that Jesus, when he speaks of angels, was just indulging the culture of the time. So how many books of the Bible have angels in them? If you saw the email from Pastor Doug, you know it's at least half. Okay, so half of the 66 books, 33 of them have the word angel in it. We have um, 273 times total, 108 in the Old Testament, 165 in the New Testament. Jesus in all four Gospels taught about angels. We have four options there. We can either accept him for, or accept his word as he says, or uh, we have to take some other, another path that Jesus was either intentionally deceiving people, being deceived himself, or just accommodating people there, or the writers were being deceptive. I mean, once you get away from the clear teaching of the Word of God, you just go into complete murkiness, right? So don't do that. Don't do that. So we study the names of angels, and we know that the word angel is not, uh, it's a common way of describing angels, because that's how we understand them, but there's a whole bunch of other words that denote the idea of an angel. You remember what some of those were? If you don't remember, then that's Messenger. okay. What's that? Messenger. Messenger, sure. Sons of God. Yes. And that's from Genesis 6, right? And no, I'm not going to get into that right now. But I'm, I'm of the view that those were fallen angels. Okay? 
So sons of the mighty or sons of the mighty one, holy ones. We see that in Daniel quite a bit. Daniel 4, 13, 17, Watcher. 8, 3. Watcher. Where do we see that? Daniel 2. Ezekiel 2. I, I got the reference for Daniel here. Let's see if that what Arnold says. I want to stick with Daniel for right now. We're talking about Watcher. Watcher is Daniel 13. Watchmen is Isaiah 62. Uh, spirits. They're spirit beings, and that's Hebrews 1, 14. My favorite one, do you guys remember what it was? It's from Job 38.7. So go ahead and open to Job 38.7 because that's one that we're going to see kind of repeat itself. Mm -hmm. Job 38.7. Hello. So when you get there, just somebody read Job 38.7. When the morning stars sang together and the sons of God shouted for joy. So we got two words for angels there. Stars and sons of God. So I think those are kind of interesting. Ministers, uh, Psalm 103, 21, bless the Lord all his host, his ministers who do his will. The 10th name is host, and that's a translation um, from the Hebrew into English of army. Chariots, we see that in 2 Kings 6, we just talked about that. And then Elohim. So Elohim is the plural for gods with a little g, okay? And we also discussed the creation of angels. And here we're going to go, I want you to go to Colossians 1, Colossians 1, 16, and greet every pastor cordially. So Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, or whatever other mnemonic you want to use, Colossians 1, 16. And whoever gets there, just read, go ahead and read it. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. So all things would include angels, right? All things would include angels. It's a fact in the past, so we can draw some conclusions there. They're all created at one moment in time, simultaneously, if you will. There's a set number of them. There's no mention of angels being created after that event, so it's set. We'll discuss how many, okay? And I'll go ahead and tell you what my dad would say about that. Uh, how many is as important as a butterfly on the wing of a jet airplane? Okay, I, <laughs> numerous, okay? So there, is there an effect? Is there a weight to it? There is. Is it meaningful to us right now? Probably not. Um, again, we need to approach this in balance. So there's a set number and they exist forever. Can angels die? All right, so there's a parallel though between our soul, right, and them in a sense, right? So uh, we experience death. By the way, just as an aside here, we'll touch on this a little bit. I'm kind of glad we don't have to rush through this now. But in the incarnation, the God-man, so Jesus is the God-man. Jesus experiences death, which is something that we now have in common, if we're not raptured before that. And, but angels don't experience that. So it's just interesting to me that there's always these different, in, in, the, in this uh, in the spiritual world, there's all these different beings that they don't all share the same experience, but we have the same allegiance to God. Of course, there's some that are not. They have rebelled, but I think that's just an aside there for you. Um, so they exist forever, the timing of their creation. Now, again, we're back to Job 38, 4 through 7. We read it already. I think we read, read verse 7. But using that, uh, in fact, let's read that again. I'll read it for you. So Job 38, 4 through 7. Where were you, so here's God speaking to Job, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. 
Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched a line upon it? Or what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? The point there is this. If we go to Genesis 1.1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, the angels were already there and they witnessed that creation. Okay. So as far as the timing of their creation, they existed before the earth as we know it today was formed. Now, we're not going to get into this today, but that opens the door to a better understanding of why Satan appears in the garden. Because he's a, the fall of Satan happened before, at least the way I understand it, before the creation of the world as we know it. So remember how he said the angelic has two C's to it, comfort and confidence? There's comfort in knowing that and confidence as well because we have this meta-narrative, this big narrative that explains things and we can place things and go, okay, this is how they work. That's that belt of truth, knowledge, it's good. What we don't want to do is start at a crash site saying, hey, that's an angel. You start getting off on all these tangential things, you know. Let's just keep our focus on, on the one that we can talk directly to the boss. We don't need to talk to the angels, right? So... Um, Hope I made that point clear. So um, here's what Arnold says about that. I think it's kind of cool. So angels were created prior to the creation of the material universe. The existence of angels precedes the universe by some unknown amount of time. That's enough. They have the power of contrary choice. Who else has a power of contrary choice? Okay, so we do, right? So in the garden, Adam was created with the power of contrary choice. He exercised that power. And what we're all experiencing right now, sin, death, you name it, right? Um, the angels also had a similar experience. And they, they were created with the power contrary choice, and Satan took one-third of the angels with him, okay? So there was that concept that we briefly discussed of confirmed, and uh, excuse me, of unconfirmed and confirmed creaturely holiness. So the angels were unconfirmed, in their creaturely holiness, and now they're confirmed in it. One day we will be confirmed in our holiness, not because we did something good, but because of the power of Jesus in our lives. Um, make me sure I'm following my outline here. Okay. Uh, as far as their position, I think uh, we discussed that a little bit, and here I diverge from Arnold just a little bit. Um, so if we were looking at God, Jesus, here, one and the same, but unique and different. So we're not going to get into the Trinity right now, but they're here. We have angels, okay? And then we, we learned already that there's three different types of angels, so there's some hierarchy in there. And then there's, where does the Messiah fit in there? Right up here above everything, right? What about Jesus and his humanity? Is he superior to the angels? Is he superior to the angels? It says he was made a lower than the angels. So... Yes, so I'm with you on that. I think there's a moment there in time, and I think it has something to do with the fact that he experienced death. I, I don't know. Bottom line is this. If a safe bet is to say God, the triune God, his angels, and man. That's safe. And if you want to get in there and start and splitting hairs, it would have to be angel hairs. <laughs> Take that Arnold Fruchtenbaum. I did not get that from him. That's an original right there. And it's funny too. God, I can't wait to do that. It's going to be good. All right, so uh, number of angels, position, no, yeah, position, number of angels. 
Right? The simple answer is Hebrews 12.22. Innumerable. But with this concept of guardian angels, some people will claim that, well, there's at least one angel for every person there ever was. I, again, some of us need more than one. <laughs> Especially if you're not lucky on the hunting department. <laughs> Is there a hunting angel? Top pilots definitely need more than one. <laughs> okay. Doesn't that come from a verse in Psalms? It might be. Psalm 68, 17, the chariots of God are twice 10,000, thousands upon thousands. The Lord is among them. Is that the one you're thinking about? No, I think an angel of God encamps around those who fear him. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's, that's, the, that's exactly it. Um, you know what, that's in here. I saw that. Yep, I don't have that reference right here. But there's innumerable angels. Okay, now, yeah, if you get that, share it with us. I'd like to see that. I don't have it on here. Uh, as far as their abode or their home, their sphere of influence, and um, their appearance, remember when we talked about that? Where is their home, though? I want to make that clear, because last time I wasn't clear on that. Where do they live? Where is, where is their primary residence? Heaven. Heaven. Okay. What's, the, what's their sphere of operation? Heaven and earth. Everywhere. So if you think of it, in the, in the, remember when Paul uses that term, the third heaven? I ascend the third heaven. So that's heaven as we know it. Then you have a second one would be atmospheric heavens. And then you got the ones that I operate in, which is just what you can see here. So their abode is up there. Their sphere of operation is first, third, second, and first, okay, in the earth. And as far as their appearance, we already answered that. And remember, I can't do this with the mic. There's no little fat cherubims. No, not sure over there. There's none of those. With bow and arrow on your back. Exactly, okay. We do know later on when we touch on the seraphim and the cherubim that they, some have six wings. Which ones have six wings, Christian? Do you remember? Yeah, cherubim have four. Seraphim have six. But I thought some of them have four. I thought it was flipped. Is this the butterfly thing again? Yeah, probably. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. But the angels that we're talking about, for the most of the part of our study, are just regular angels. They do not have wings. They look like young men when they appear in visible form. Uh, and when they appear, they appear in three different, potentially three different ways. One was, and can you guys hear me okay now? Is that better? Good. Thank you. you bet. I want to make sure we do that next time too. Uh, they can appear in dreams or in visions. Remember when we what the difference between a vision and a dream? Awake or asleep, right? So a dream you were asleep, and if you study dreams, people, some people do that. Uh, it would probably be a dream you had towards right before you woke up, because those are the ones that you remember. And you, you have to be specific. And the other one is a vision you were awake. And then the, um, the, there's some kind of, they have some kind of corporal reality because there's just a regular appearance as well. So this is where you, you, you see an angel. And what's the reaction people have, the most common? They're afraid. They fear. Yeah, let me catch up here. I got two pages with different notes. So that's Psalm thirty-four seven. Read it for us, please. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Amen. Comfort, comfort, and confidence. Um. So, let's just to go back here to, to put a bow on this: the appearance of angels, uh, dreams, visions, and 
simple appearance. Uh, their form is young men, so no fat cherubim, uh, baby cherubim. Their effect is fear, and you hear a lot of the words fear not. Uh, do angels have personality? But to answer that question, first we need to define what personality is. Remember we, we talked about that? There's three aspects to personality. Intelligence and thinking, emotion, and will, volition, you know, the ability to do something. So if we see that angels have these three attributes, we can say, hey, they're, they're, um, they're beings. Now, this counters the, this, this ancient Jewish way of thinking of angels of emanations from God. Let's go back and address that for a minute. In the book of Colossians, there was a problem that's not real clear when you first read it that apparently Jewish believers there were trying to teach other people to use angels as some kind of intermediary. And you don't have to even use Google. You can use some other search engine. And you see that people today like to pray to angels, ask for their help, and all this kind of stuff. This stuff is very old. It's been going on for a long time. The root of that, of that deception, of that uh, going off the mark, starts with the fact, the truth, and this is how Satan operates, that, that the law of Moses was given to Moses by God with angels as an intermediary. So this kind, so people, it seems like Satan is full-time, and in, in our flesh as well, we're working against the will of God when we're outside of his will, you know, when we're not focused on him. We're constantly trying to find other ways to do what he's made simple and clear, you know? And we keep adding on the stuff. And as years go by, sec, uh, sec, uh, uh, I mean, hundred years, is, um, I've got a Portuguese, a centuries and, and thousands of centuries and, 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 and millenniums go by, these traditions become stronger and stronger and stronger and have a bigger pool. And I think the only one that benefits is the enemy in the end. So um, they, they, they have uh, intellect, they have emotion, they have volition, but don't take my word for it. So let's, well, let me just assign some passages to this side and some passages to that side. And so second, somebody here, Second Samuel 14.20. Somebody here, Psalm 148.2. Somebody here, this is my favorite one, so 24.36, um, Matthew, excuse me, Matthew 24.36. And then somebody here, Ephesians 3.10. So Ephesians 3.10 here, Matthew 24.36 here, Psalm 148.2 here and 2 Samuel 14, 20 over here. So whoever has that 2 Samuel passage, let's read that, please. In order to change the appearance of things, your servant Joab has done this thing. But my Lord is wise, like the wisdom of the angel of God, to know all that is in the earth. So the wisdom of an angel, the angel of God. You can open a whole can of worms there and ask whether or not this angel of God is, a, is, 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 is this kind of some theophany. But, but let's not get into that. Let's just take it as a, the angel of God, okay? Or an angel of God. Okay, so they have... The angel. Uh, yeah, I, I understand. Uh, but that's a whole other study. The, the, the bottom line is that there's it's an angelic being that whether we can disagree or agree or whatever, but there's wisdom being applied to and that requires intellect, right? So, but you're right. Uh, so Psalm 148, verse 2. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his hosts. So, that's a tricky one. Does praise require intellect? How can we praise something that we don't know or understand? Possibly, yes. But praise in this context here requires that there be some exercise of the will, some intellect. You have to know what you're praising. 
Okay. What's that? And willingly do it. So there's a combo here. I think it's a good passage. Uh, Matthew 24, 36. But concerning the day and hour, no mm -hmm. one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the, nor the Son. So here it's a negative. It's saying they don't know something, which the inference being that there are things that they do know. Okay, and then Ephesians 3.10. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. So they learn. They're learning by observing. And then my favorite one, I'll say this, well, actually my favorite is Matthew 24-36, but this is my second favorite. They're all favorites. Uh, 1 Peter 1.12. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you, in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit, sent from heaven, things in which, into which angels long to look. So they not only learn, but they have a desire to learn. And so remember, comfort, angelic comfort, and confidence. That for me is comforting, because I know that these other beings that God created, one, they are still learning things, so I don't have to be Google know everything. By the way, Google does not know everything. Um, okay, God knows everything. So, although that can be a, a you know, an idol to people sometimes. Um, so, they have a desire to learn, and they are learning. I think that's very cool. Do they have emotion? And by the way, the only emotion described in the Bible for, for non-fallen angels is one that starts with a J and ends with the word Y, or the letter Y. Joy. Joy. <laughs> that's awesome. So, uh, Job 38.7, we keep just coming back to Job, you know. When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God, God shouted for? For joy. And then Luke 15, 10. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Um, so in in intellect, emotion, and do they have will? We kind of answered that already because you have to have, if you're going to worship something, you got to know what it is and you need to... Uh, to do that, um, need to want to do that. Uh, that's the will aspect of it. Uh, Hebrews 1.6, and again, when the, he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, quote, let all God's angels worship him. So they're called to worship, and they do. But we also know that in Jude 6, um, they were called to holiness, and they don't. So they were called to holiness, they fell. So Jude 6 is referring to uh, and the angels who did not stay within their own positions, referring back to Genesis chapter 6. Um, I think we should do a study on that separate sometime just to address that. But my point is, is that they have will, both uh, holy angels and the unholy angels, okay? And there are not emanations. That's the big point. And I know that's not a big deal for us, but if you're dealing with a Jewish person and you start talking about angels, understand that some of them are going to be inform, uh, influenced by that, by that thinking and in fact, um, uh, the Zohar, the, uh, you know, there's, there's different parts of Jewish stuff that gets into that, and it's just a distraction. So we saw they have intellect, emotion, and will. Now, let's look at the nature of angels. And again, this is a review. And when I mean nature, I mean features, qualities, and character. So uh, as relates to their creation, they are created beings. So they're created beings. So they have all the limitations that we have of creaturehood, and those are, they're not omnipresent, they can't be everywhere at the same time, who can do that? Who's present right now? God. God. 
And they're not omnipotent. They're very strong, but they're not omnipotent. They're not omniscient. They don't know everything. We just already discussed that. But uh, let's talk about the omnipresent one first. So I'll read this from Daniel chapter 9, verse 21. It says, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, I love the way he describes that. So that's consistent with what we learned so far. When they appear, they appear as men, okay? Whom I had seen in the vision in the first. So here we just learned that they can appear in visions and in a real appearance, and there's a confirmation of it. Came to me in swift flight at the time of the evening sacrifice. That actually addresses another thing. They're not omnipresent because you have to go someplace, right? He made me understand speaking with me and saying, I love that too, he made me understand speaking with me. So it was say, hey, I will impart knowledge unto you, son. And now it was just like he actually, you know, here, here it comes, I'm going to explain it. Saying, oh, Daniel, oh, Daniel, I have now come uh, out to give you inside understanding. At the beginning of your pleas for mercy, a word went out. And I have come to tell it to you, for you are greatly loved. So that's another thing about their work. What they do in the life of a believer. We're going to address that. They, they uh, are messengers. And I have come to tell it to you, for you are greatly loved. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. Um, so they're not omnipresent. Uh, as far as they're not being omnipotent, I think Jude 9 is really cool because it says, but when the archangel Michael, and we'll get into what that archangel word means, Contending with the devil was disputing about the body of Moses. He did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous, blasphemous judgment, but said, the Lord rebuke you. And if you remember last time what we did is we said that in some evangelical circles, especially in the South United States, there's people biting Satan and doing all kinds of stuff. If Michael the archangel is not doing that, we shouldn't either. So let's just leave. May the Lord rebuke you. Don't get involved in that. Um, so let's just, let's just set that aside and approach this with balance. Um, okay, where am I here? So limitations of creaturehood, the omniscience. So Ephesians 3.10 and 1 Peter 1, 1 through 12. They don't know some things and they have a desire to know others. So this is comforting. As far as the body of angels, what, what kind of, they have some kind of corporal reality. And uh, I love what Arnold says, they have some kind of corporal reality. We don't, we don't, we don't understand that. So Luke 24, 39, this is what the Lord says. It says, Set my, see my hands and my feet, that it is my, I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have, not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. So they don't have flesh and bones, okay, because they're a spirit, but can appear in bodily form. Because Genesis uh, chapter 18 and 19, they're with, but I believe the theophany, Jesus in the Old Testament, and they're eating, okay? So... You think they can go back and forth? Maybe, but I think there's something going on here. And this is where I... Um, so I'm, I'm going to say this is the approach I take, and I think you should take this approach too. I'm not going to say you have to take this approach, but I think you should. Is when we walk to the threshold of these things, we need to stop in awe and reverence. As opposed to stepping there, well, I think it's... And then just go and start shooting up the place. Because truth is, is we don't know everything. And if angels are seeking to learn some things, maybe we need to have that humility. And one of the main characteristics of the seraphim, by the way, which are above common angels in hierarchy, is humility. So, you know, comforting, confidence, and maybe some other C for learning stuff. I'm gonna have to feed that, figure that out. Um, so, um, they're not limited to concepts of human, of concepts, human concepts of space, because even though they have to go someplace, um, they, they can tr translate from the spiritual world into the 
this world and back and forth. Um, they don't reproduce after their own kind, and boy, does that open up a can of worms, right? Because Genesis 6, 2, fallen angels, if, if Tim Velasco's right, you know, intermarried with human women, but they did not produce other little mini angels. They produced a grotesque race that was wiped out in the flood. So they don't reproduce after their own kind. In fact, uh, Jesus makes that clear. They're like the angels of heaven when, when it speaks about marriage after death. Um, and uh, the company of angels. We talked about the bodies, um, the company of angels. So they're not a race, because a race requires that there be reproduction, and, and, and they're just a, a company, a set amount that was created. Uh, so in that sense, they're distinct from humans. Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings. That's Psalm 85. And crowned him with glory and honor. So the heavenly beings here being the angels. They're higher than humans. You made him for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor. Here's referring to man, not the Messiah, by the way. I think that's where we got mixed up. Because Hebrews 2, 7, I'm not sure. So, But can we tackle that another time? Yeah. Because as I'm reading that, I'm going like, I remember this now. Okay. They do not marry. That's Luke 20, uh, 34, 36. They, they're holy. Anybody want to disagree with that? See, please somebody disagree with that because there's some that are not, right? We're speaking of all angels, one-third aren't. But two-thirds that we're discussing now are holy. Uh, we see that in Luke 9. Uh, how many angels did it take to roll the stone at the grave? Yeah, one. Okay. How many to break Peter's chains in Acts? One. One, okay. How many to smite a grip of with disease, eaten by worms, live, on stage? One. So are they powerful? They're very, very powerful. Does that, uh, let's add, add a little edge to that. So that means that our enemies are powerful? Have they lost any of those, of those abilities? And imagine now that not only are they powerful, they're completely depraved. So we're, we're dealing with some very, with some dark forces, you know, so. Um, but uh, I know you probably lack a confidence and, and comfort right now, but don't worry. Uh, we're forbidden to worship them. Okay, we're forbidden to worship them. Now, Arnold goes into this big section on the organization of angels. And I think that makes sense for somebody that likes to systematize things, right? So he talks about thrones, dominions, principalities, authorities, powers, hosts, legions, and the chief priests. I'm not going to go into any of that. Messianic Bible study number 73, go read up on that. It's got lots of interesting tidbits on it. Um, but I'm going to focus a little bit on this idea of the chief prince because this relates to what we're going to talk uh, a little bit today and then next Sunday on uh, the role, the work of angels as it relates to us. Okay. And also, I think it's going to work out perfect. So I'll do a little bit of that today and then next Sunday we'll finish up with touching up on demons and Satan. Um, but this idea of the chief prince, it's an interesting concept. Now here's what Arnold said, said about that and I'll agree with him. The chief prince is an angel who heads up and rules over a nation. Let's not take his word for it. Let's look at Daniel chapter 10, verse 13. And uh, so you guys look Daniel 10, 13. And over here, let's do Daniel 12, 1. Okay? And let's just take a little bit of time to go over this. So 10, 13, the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 
21 days. Who is this prince of the king of Persia? Is he a good angel or a bad angel? A bad angel. And he is apparently assigned himself or been assigned by Satan to rule over Obadiah to the kingdom of Persia. But Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me for I was there with the kings of Persia. So apparently he's not just, it's, not, it's him and his minions. This is spiritual warfare 101 here and this idea of the chief prince. Um, and then 12.1, at that time shall rise, arise Michael, the great prince, who has charge over your people. Michael. Michael is the chief prince of what nation? Israel. 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 Michael, Israel. Okay, that's easy to remember. Um, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never been seen There was a nation uh, since there was a nation at that time. And I'll just stop right there. So... <clears throat> So let's talk about the angels that they know the, we know the names uh, for them. So we just met <coughs> one of them, Michael. Yeah, the word means, who is like God? And he's a chief angel, and he's not in charge of the seraphim and the cherubim. So in the hierarchy of things, he's in charge of all the common angels. Okay. Um, he is called an archangel, like a, a general, and he is kind of a military figure. He's the first prince, Daniel 13, 10, 13. He's the great prince, Daniel 12, 1. He's lord over common angels, Revelations 12, Revelation 12, 7. Um, now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. He's the chief prince over the nation of Israel. It was Michael who protected the body of Moses. We saw that earlier in Jude 6. And it was he who informed Daniel and Daniel 10, 13 to 21. The other one we know, what's his name? Starts with a G? Gabriel. Gabriel. Who do we see him, what do we see him doing in the Bible? Messenger. He's a messenger, delivering news, okay? Um, and, you know, and I'm going to share a little bit of how I think. Please don't necessarily think this way, but I think of Michael as like a really tough guy, and Gabriel would be kind of like skinnier and with curly hair, you know? And, you know, and, and I've noticed this really possibly right on the threshold, I just stepped in there, shot up the place. But I, I just get this feeling that there's, they're different. You know, they have personalities and all that. It seems like Gabriel's role is reflected in, in a way. They're powerful beings. And Lord, forgive me. Uh, but I just, I, I can't help to see Michael as a warrior and Gabriel as a messenger. They, you know, so, and I think that's their roles, you know. But one day I'll know. So uh, maybe I'll have to apologize. I don't know, do I apologize in heaven? Um, I don't know. Um, no, I don't think so. I don't, yeah. Wow, okay, let's get back on track here. Uh, so, Mighty One of God, Messenger of Revelation. Uh, more on this when we cover the work of angels. And in Luke 1.19, it says, He stands in the presence of God. So here's where, what I, the way I just spoke, there was somebody that spoke in a similar way of unbelief that got nine months in a, in a few weeks of not being able to speak. Okay, so I better watch my mouth. It says, I am angel... I am the angel, and the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and it was I, and I was sent to speak to you and bring to you this good news, and because you didn't believe it, this is what's going to happen. Um, in Revelation 8-2, Then I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and seven trumpets were given to them. We can look at another passage and see if those seven angels, one of those angels will know their name, and his name is Gabriel. The other ones we don't. And, and we can get into that later. Um, and there's lots and lots of other angels. How many? Um, 
innumerable. Can we give names to them? If you ask Jewish people, some people will say that they can. Uh, I don't think they got it right. Now, what is the other, what's the other angel type? There's three types. We've been studying common ones. We have the seraphim and the cherubim, right? So in the order of things, it would be cherubim, seraphim, and the common angels. Everything we've been studying so far falls under that category. So let's just briefly go into seraphim. The word seraph means burning, and the em is burning. So burnings, burning ones. So the best part is the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 6, uh, 2, and 3. And for the sake of time, I'm going to read it for us, but just pay close attention, okay? So try to envision this in your own mind. I was going to put an image up there, but then I don't want to guide you into thinking what it looks like. Let's just let's use our minds, each one of us. So, so this is Isaiah. Um, Above him stood the seraphim. So plural, many. Each had six. six wings. With two they covered his face, with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. And one called to another and said, Kadosh, 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 holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And then in uh, verse 6 and 7, then one of the seraphim flew to me having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. So it wasn't, I'm trying to figure that out. So did he go like that? And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sin has been atoned for. In the book of Revelation, we see in Revelation 4, uh, verses 6 through 11, I'm going to read that for us. And before the throne, there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox. This is not their faces. This is, they're describing each one, apparently. And the, um, and the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature with the face of a man, and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, were full of eyes all around. Where were we here, the six wings before? Back. Are full of eyes all around and within. The day and night they never cease to say. Yeah. So, um, seraphim. Verse 7 seems to indicate that they have four faces, but one is dominant. Or it's saying that each one has that face facing forward. I don't know, and again, the butterfly, and the, I, we're, we don't need to get there. I don't think that's what's important. Um, so here's what we need to know about them, okay? Uh, unceasing worship characterizes them. Humility characterizes them. They're never speaking about themselves, or, you know, they're humble. They're, they're, they're in, a, in a servant role, even though they're more powerful than these innumerable angels. They're, perfect, they're involved in the purification of servants, in the case of Isaiah. They lead in worship in heaven. They emphasize the holiness and worship of God. They proclaim the need to be clean because by taking that coal, they're saying, this is, this is the method. There's a method to it. To be here, you need to be like that. You need to be holy like us. And we know that that ultimately comes through the right answer to every Sunday school, Jesus, right? And they're involved in the tribulation judgments. And we're just about the point where can, we can step out into the work of angels, so I think the timing would be perfect, but let's touch on cherubim really quick. How many cherubim can we deduce exist? How many were created? This is the one we can kind of say that there are probably five. Because there were four that were created to support the throne room of God, 
okay? And that chair, there was four apparently there. And there was a fifth one that was a cherubim that covers. Which one do you think Satan was? A common angel, a seraphim, or a cherubim? Cherubim. Cherubim. Okay. The highest order. And likely he was um, the one that covered. So here's where we see cherubim in the Bible. They guarded the entrance to the Garden of Eden. Uh, figures of the cherubim were embroidered into the curtains of the tabernacle, okay, in the Exodus. The cherubim covered the mercy seat over the Ark of the Covenant. According to 2 Samuel, Yeshua, the Messiah, will be riding a cherub at his second coming, which is greatly disappointing to me because I for sure thought there was a white horse in heaven. But I'm just going to take it as is right here. Um, these cherubim each have two wings, okay? But then there's places where there's some confusion whether it's a cherubim or a seraphim, so we're not going to get into that. Uh, we see that they also... They have the basic likeness of a man, but each one has four different faces. A man, a lion, an ox, and an eagle. So there seems to be a repeated theme here. Any of you getting confused right now with all that? Okay, yeah, because it is confusing. It is confusing. Now, let me, I think it's a good place for us just to stop right here. So we kind of did a review of what we did last time with a little more in-depth. So what we're going to do next time is we're going to finish up with the works of angels, what they actually do, and we're going to look at that in relationship to God, in relationship to uh, the Messiah, Jesus, in relationship to unbelievers, in relationship to believers, and the works of angels in the future uh, as it pertains to the tribulation, second coming, the messianic kingdom, and the internal order, and the destiny of angels. So that's what we're going to do next time, and then we're going to touch a little bit on fallen angels. Now, um, angelic ends with a... And what are we supposed to derive from the study of this stuff? Comfort and confidence. confidence or courage. I like that one. I like conf courage better than I like confidence. I like them both. So that's the three C's, you know, three C's now. Comfort, confidence, and courage. So as we go about our days today, just keep that in mind. There's a spiritual battle going on. It's raging all around us, but we're on the winning side. No matter what turmoil is going on in your life right here and the spheres of influence that extend out from you and touch the rest of the world, right? Good. Okay, let's pray. Father God, we come before you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for these beings that you created. And we thank you, Lord, that uh, they, um, we can look at wonder and amazement. We can admire the works that we do, they do. And remind us, Lord, that we're not called to worship them, but we're called to worship you. And we thank you that you've made the world the way it is in, in every respect. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Uh, that you go about us, uh, go with us into this uh, Sunday this week. Pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.